This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I'm Andrew. Welcome, welcome, was... welcome, guys. It's the it's the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm so Ooh. thankful. And I'm thankful for most of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I let y'all. I'll let y'all. I'll let y'all figure out which one that I'm not thankful for, but his initials are Paul. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should just uh, should just delete that outline from yeah. and let you win. Yeah. Paul, I've listened to a bunch of the old uh, Knights of Rainsboro gaming sessions, and I'm thankful for you. Yeah, I'm right. I won Player of the Year in season one uh-huh. seven years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only you would be a teleporter that would get trapped and kidnapped in 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 a <laughs> toilet stall, if I recall. In hostile yeah. territory. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't yeah. I trying to make a phone call? I feel like I was trying to make a phone no, call. No, you're reading, you're reviewing <laughs> this documentation, this binder of information, oh, and uh, she found you sitting there. Instead of just, you know, getting it and teleporting out, you're like, I'm going to hang out and read it here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Good times. <laughs> I feel like Hair Trigger's going to be the first night of Rainsboro who has a movie made about her. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, just when you when you tried to have one of your henchmen knock out the coyote without his knowledge, that alone was fantastic. That was game breaking. Yeah, that was good times. Yeah. I give him the signal. <laughs> what signal? <laughs> I oh, assume God. that Kaylee Cuoco will be playing Hair Trigger in the uh, Hair Trigger film with know, all Kaylee... of her secret shit. <laughs> Kaylee Cuoco can voice her in the uh, animated adaptation, but I feel like Kaylee Cuoco is probably a little too old to play an 18-year-old. You're saying she's a little long in the tooth, Paul? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. A little bit. But since we're talking about comic book movie news, we can talk about actual comic book movies that are actually made or being made. Um, it was announced this week, Wonder Woman 1984 will be debuting at your local cinema on December 25th, as well as HBO Max. You know, I had the same reaction to that that I did when I heard Sean Connery died. I immediately had to go look it up to see if it was true. Because <laughs> that seemed like some wild internet bullshit to me. And yeah. uh, I, I was like, I don't, let me just go to the HBO Max site. I gotta fact check this shit. I don't fact check the election. I fact check whether or not I'm going to be watching Wonder Woman on Christmas Day. <laughs> on your couch. Yeah, in my underwear. Well, right. and a follow-up article talked about how AMC is okay with it, and they are, they're happy about it. It's like, yeah. that after everything that the theaters uh-huh. have said about the streaming thing, I had to go verify that one was true. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like AMC developed say? a little battered spouse syndrome oh, where yeah. they're like, you know, it's okay. They, they're they just angry. It's a tough time for them. We're just going to apologize for them and say it's all right. Yeah. Well, hey, at this point, it's like, I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> like, Regal's closed. We're the only game in town. If you want to see any movie, you're going to come to us. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, I am I will tell you, I have no, I, I'm not seeing Wonder Woman 84 in the theaters. I'm actually going to go ahead and see it. I mean, I'm, I'm paying for that stupid HBO Max. I might as well use it. <laughs> I'm going to pop over to your place on Christmas Day to watch it with you. <laughs> now, we talked about this, I believe, on uh, Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, maybe on an episode not yet released. Um, okay, I haven't edited it yet, Paul. Get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, my frustration, you know, Amazon has um, made a deal with HBO Max, which is great, finally, that you can use your Amazon credentials to log into HBO Max. So, you know, the, now what the frustration about that is that the HBO Max content is still not actually available on Prime. Yeah, they but you can uh, use your. They, they haven't yeah. loaded the channel in yet, right? Yeah. 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 So I have two frustrations with that. Major. I mean, they're not minor frustrations. One, that shit doesn't work for me. I don't know if you tried it, Aaron. It doesn't work for me. I've tried using my Amazon login on HBO Max. It don't work. So I, I don't know if I'm doing it wrong or if I need to figure it out, but it don't work. I have so not because I, I haven't I haven't changed my subscription yet, and I'm gonna wait until it's baked in, like uh, you know, CBS All Access is. Um, you know, I, I'm not willing to play with that until it's synchronized. Because, you know, the benefit of that is one app versus yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and my other frustration, which is even more so now with Wonder Woman 84 coming out, is that HBO Max is not available in 4K. Um, you know, and I know, I know, apparently it's not visible to the naked eye, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like... <laughs> for my, if I'm going, you know, for this major theatrical release, you better figure out that 4K shit before that movie comes out. Poor Paul. I, I, Poor these, Paul. Are, these are some real first world problems. Yeah. <laughs> these yeah. are some yeah. real problems. Especially <laughs> because the show's not even going to be an extra cost. That's I, a good point. HBO Max is already an extra cost. Well, I mean, when they announced <laughs> it, my first thought was they're going to have an extra cost over it, like all the other movies. Yeah, that Disney have been coming Plus out is are. done, right? Right. I mean, yeah. Like I thought for sure that when I when I got my uh, Disney Plus uh, subscription, that I was going to be able to just immediately click and watch Mulan. I didn't realize that there was an on top fee for that. Well, there's a difference between Disney Plus and HBO Max. Is there? You know, people. People want Disney Plus. Nobody oh, actually. Oh fuck you, Paul! I love HBO Max. <laughs> People wanted Disney Plus, you know, and they already get Mandalorian and other, you know, original content through Disney Plus. Whereas HBO Max, what original content have they offered besides an American Pickle? Uh, yeah. The flight attendant with Kaylee Cuoco. Good point. <laughs> with, with future with future hair trigger Kaylee Cuoco. Um, the, the poorly the poorly reviewed The Witches. Um, uh, well, you know you've got all your HBO content on there, and they are coming down with a lot more original content. But I got to tell you, I I ha I bitch about most of the media that I pay for. I don't bitch about my HBO Max. I think my HBO Max is a terrific service. Except it doesn't have apps where I wanted to have apps. No, I, I agree. I agree. But I, I will tell you that since the Chromecast redesign, it's a lot easier to, to work it on my TV. I don't have to you know stream it from my iPad to my TV. Yeah, I, so, well, I'm in the camp of I won't buy it until it's uh, streaming to something that I regularly use. And that was why I didn't do the DC Universe for so long. And once it finally had a TV that had an app, I got that. So I will get HBO Max when it streams on my TV. Well, and when you get it, I'm looking at the original content now. You can get the Not Too Late Show with Elmo. That is terrible. Uh, epi it, it is terrible. Episode four features Batman and Pentatonix. Na 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 Elmo's world. Terrible. <laughs> I'm ready to watch it. Actually, I'm ready to go subscribe to HBO Max right now. Just but you know, show. there's a, there's a lot of great Warner's content out there. There's you know, uh, there's uh, Turner Classic Movies content out there. There's a fuck ton of anime uh i mean there's all kinds of great dc universe shows right you got hbo max you've got um doom patrol and uh yeah 
Well, and all that DC stuff is coming over. I mean, I, yeah. it's it's a I, I think it's a terrific service, and I think it's just going to get better. Yeah, I mean, they have the entire Studio Ghibli catalog. I mean, yeah. that alone is huge. That's not streaming anywhere else. Well, and there there is a lot of Japanese cinema, and I'm not talking about anime. I'm just you know live action uh, stuff that is not available anywhere else. I I freaking love this service. Most importantly, it has Jonah Hex the movie. <laughs> and uh, all the Lego superhero movies that Wayne likes. Have, speaking of Legos, uh, Legos Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, did you watch it? I have not, but but I, I, I'm, that is going to be on my holiday viewing this year. Yeah, Actually, I watched the YouTube, the YouTube, yeah, I watched you YouTube watch video it? about it, but I haven't watched it yet. It is very enjoyable. Now, I was surprised because I was watching it. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. And then it was like, I don't know, like 40 minutes in. I'm like, shit. Like, how long is this thing? Because I think it's a 45-minute thing, and I just expected it was, you know, another 20-minute, sure, you know, thing. Um, but it was, honestly, I, I genuinely enjoyed it. Uh, I won't, you know, talk about any spoilers here since I'm the only one who's seen it, but I highly recommend checking it out. Um, it just, it has a lot of fun and a lot of jokes for anyone, you know, who's uh, familiar with the original holiday special, but really just, you know, any Star Wars. It's just a, a fun, funny um, special. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So, you know, um, before we hop off of the movie news, uh, I just wanted to, to briefly mention that this week, Disney Disney's kind of doubling down on, on all these properties now, um, getting some news out, I guess, now that things are rolling back into production. Um, there were three announcements this week, and, and one of them is not on the uh, outline, but I'll mention it anyway. Um, Black Panther 2 is going to be going into production, is already in production. Um, you know, pre-production to, to start filming in July. Deadpool 3, uh, they have hired some writers from the Bob's Burgers television series to to pen the, the newest script for Deadpool 3. And surprisingly enough, um, they have hired uh, the creator of Cloverfield, or one of the creators of Cloverfield, to do a new Predator movie. I know not oh, really? necessarily comic-related, but it's adjacent. Could be another Predator movie. It's adjacent. Yeah. I, yeah, that could be cool because I, you know, I, the uh, first Cloverfield movie was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a fun. I mean, I, I'm very excited that they, you know. Then again, I've been excited about every Predator movie and been burned every time, with the exception um, of the, the first two, right? <laughs> the exception <laughs> of the first two, correct? Yeah. <laughs> every time since those first two, uh, it has been bad. But I, I'm, I'm, I think it's a, you know, great. You know, I'm glad they are doing things with those properties because I think people thought. Oh, it's Disney. They're just going to toss them to the side and, and collect the royalties from the previous films. But no, they're they're doing something with them, and and they're bringing Deadpool back, or at least you know they've hired some scriptwriters. We'll see if it actually happens. Right. And uh, you know, it sounds like they have a plan for Black Panther. I I have concerns about changing writers uh, on Deadpool. Yeah. You know, I loved both yep. the uh, loved both the first two movies, but you know they were both written by the same two guys. Um, uh, you know, Reed Reese and Paul Wernick and. I don't know a lot about the Molyneux sisters who are the new writers on it. Um, yeah, I don't watch Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I don't watch that. And they have a new show that's coming up that's not out yet called, uh, I think it's called The Great North, I believe. So I, I will probably check that and see what it's like. But, you know, they had such a great, uh, the first two movies were so great. It just makes me nervous that they're switching writers uh, midstream. Yeah, my only well, hope I, is that Ryan Reynolds still has a lot of control in the direction of it. As long as he has say in it and can kind of keep steering it i think we'll be fine but i'm 
just as nervous because I love the first two. Well, all I can I'm say sure is that I'm will. deeply hopeful that I get my Deadpool head for Christmas. I'm oh. saying. Around mm. Santa, you're dead to me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I'm, I, will be hiring, site, well. I will be hiring ninja assassins to deal with Santa if the Deadpool <laughs> head isn't delivered to me. That's all I'm saying. So, so Wayne, Bob's Burgers is excellent. So I, I, I yeah. love Bob's yeah, Burgers. Yeah, yeah. Paul Bob's has tried Burgers. to sell me on this shit before, too. <laughs> yeah, I've I watched, never seen it, so I have no opinion on it. I watched the first six episodes, and, uh, you know, I love – and I got into it mainly because the main character, Bob, is voiced by the same guy who does Archer. And uh, I, I enjoy Archer quite a lot. Uh, and so you could actually maybe make a parallel between Archer and Deadpool and Bob's Burger versus the new Deadpool, which makes me a little nervous. But uh, yeah, I watched six episodes of Bob's Burgers, and I was not I was not wrapped. I, I stopped watching after that. It's good. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Well, well I think – I think one show that I don't care for that is going to be canceled is Black Lightning. Um, it was announced this week. You know, we, we had talked, I think, two episodes ago that they were looking to do a Black Lightning spinoff, which apparently is still in the works. Um, but the actual core Black Lightning show, uh, this upcoming season will be its last. I got to tell you, as a guy who loves the Black Lightning comic book character, I never connected with this show. Same here. Um, I did not, and I just don't feel like the uh, main, the lead actor, the guy who plays Black Lightning, I just don't think he's charismatic enough. Yeah, Um, I like the character in some of the cartoons I've seen, but this show just never really, I didn't like it from the beginning. Yeah. I think my issue with the show is that, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this, there's no style to it um i i enjoy black lightning as a character um you know in the comics but in the in the show there's it, it it's a cw show without a distinct style you know and for me it's interchangeable with any of the other shows right well, there, and- there's there's nothing new about it there's nothing distinct about that character in the show even though there is in the comics and i'm speaking as a guy who watched only the first season Right. And probably not even the entirety of the first season. I think I probably watched six episodes or so. Um, But it seemed out of place on the CW, Um, you know, given that the the lead character is so much older than the uh, usual demographic and subject matter on the CW. Mm -hmm. And as such, I felt like the story couldn't figure out the stories it wanted to tell. The, The show couldn't figure out the stories it wanted to tell. Uh, you know, did it want to focus on his younger daughters or did it want to focus on him? And I felt like the Black Lightning show I wanted to see really needed to be over on HBO Max or on HBO until a a little bit more gritty adult story than what we were getting on the CW. Um, I think that the spinoff, which I believe is centered around his daughter, um, I think that would be more successful on CW because it can really focus on what the CW does best and, and tell those uh, younger adult stories. Yeah, it was really telling when uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, when his character showed up, he just did not fit with the other characters on the right. CW. Mm-hmm. It's Those scenes all stood out as being awkward and just it didn't work. Yeah. And it didn't and work I just, because his show isn't that type of show. And I think he's a marvelous character. I just don't think that it was right for the CW. And you know, I, and I think CW agrees. <laughs> I think that's why it's getting canceled. Um, 
he that show just needs if you're going to tell a Jefferson Pierce story, you've got to tell something a little bit more edgy than what they were doing. Did you guys um did any of you watch the series finale uh speaking of shows ending of uh Supernatural this week? I did not. I did not. Okay. No. I did. I'm it, about 9 seasons behind, so no same spoilers. here. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> the last time I saw Supernatural was season 7, you know, except for the sporadic special episode like the Scooby-Doo one and all that. Um yeah, how many and... seasons did that show have? 15. Yeah, I'm about 14 and a half seasons behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've watched half of one season. Well, I will tell you, you can probably watch that season of series finale not having seen anything other than the first episode and pretty much get the gist. Really? Um, yeah, it was, I, I mean, there are people who love it and people who hate it. I fall on the side who hated it. Really? Um, you know, you guys, I, I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything, but it doesn't sound like any of you really care anyway. Um, <laughs> it, it was just, you know, it was, uh, for me, a very... It ended as if there was no need for 15 years of character development or conflict. Um, you know, to just um, spoiler on for those who haven't seen it, but it's spoiled all over social media anyway. But if Supernatural had never happened, then Sam, the brother, would have grown old, gotten married, had a kid and, you know, been fine. And Dean would have probably died young on a hunt. And yep. so 15 years later, that's literally what happens. <laughs> Dean <laughs> dies on some random hunt after 15 years of dying and being, you know, and coming back to life and, you know, literally, you know, fighting the devil and everything. He dies on a random hunt and Sam, you know, moves on, gets old, has a child, you know, gets married and then eventually dies of old age and joins Dean in heaven. Roll credits after 15 years of bullshit. So I'm, I'm glad I didn't commit the last eight years to that and that I quit eight years ago. <laughs> I can't imagine that 15 years of seeing literally these characters die and come back to life in every season. Right. Just to say, oh, hey, they're just going to die again. <laughs> I mean, this, this time's for real, though. They should have stuck to the original five year story arc. Right. Okay. They should have they should have wrapped it up after season five and not not come back. I, you know, it would have been nice to see an actual apocalypse like, you know, oh, my God, Sam and Dean you know, weren't successful. The world is over. <laughs> you know that would have been fine too but yeah, yeah. yeah pretty i think that'd be a better ending right yeah i mean I, I it certainly would be more memorable than this like this like this you know it's one of these things that every once in a while i'm like you know what i just need to revisit supernatural from the beginning i know it's 15 years but you know I, what else am i gonna do um and this very much cemented the fact that nah i'm good i don't need to revisit it um well you know i i back when it first started i was buying the seasons on dvd uh, yeah. And then and then streaming happened. I'm like, okay, well, I don't have to buy these these discs anymore. And I remember watching season six, going, I hate this. <laughs> I, you know, be, I, I, how many times were we having the conversation? You know, I really wish they'd just stick with the mythology episodes. I really wish they'd they'd stick with the with the with the story as opposed to the you know one off monster monster hunts. And it was the same conversation every season. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, finally I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Well, yeah. I think the, the biggest problem for me with Supernatural is that it's stuck to the 22-episode season yeah. um, structure instead of really just focusing on 8 to 10 good episodes. Yeah. So anyway, I know we're, we, you know, I got off on a, a Supernatural tangent here. Lest you think you're listening to Supernatural with Aaron, Polly, Wayne, and Andrew, we're going to talk about a comic book. <laughs> or, or, so, or two. So, uh, 
Andrew and I read Rorschach issue two. Uh, we all read it last time around, and uh, Paul and Wayne have both jumped off. Witters. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exact week. Yeah. That's yeah. what yeah. I would call them. No yeah, scandal. If you remember, if you remember what I said about it, I will pick it up in trade because I think the pacing is going to be too annoying to me to read in single issues. That's that's fair. So Andrew, what'd you think? Uh, you know, I think reading it in a trade would be much better. Uh, but I, you know, after the first issue, I was very much of the mind that there's not enough information here. It's just too mysterious. I don't. For a first issue, it does not make me want to go out and pick up the second issue because it's just it's just so nebulous about what's going on. Uh, the second issue definitely helped kind of flesh that out, give uh, give a little more bones to a little more structure to the plot to kind of see where things are going. And uh, I really liked it. Uh, I, I don't think we've ever learned the name of the gentleman who's investigating this, uh, you know, attempted assassination or suspected attempted assassination. You know, I'm, I'm always kind of amused by that character that you're talking about, the investigator, uh, because on some panels I'm like, is he Columbo? <laughs> is he Peter right? Falk? And yeah. on other pages, I'm like, is he Clint Eastwood? <laughs> yeah, who, who's the model? And I wonder if the model shifts because there are moments where I'm like, uh, that sure does look like Clint Eastwood, <laughs> you know? Uh, right. Which would be which would be period appropriate for this uh, for this story. I mean, in, in the tone, I mean, not period, but the, the 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 tone of the way it's being told. But you know, how did you read this, Andrew? Did you read it uh, guided view or did you read it whole page? A little bit of both. So I, the first time I read it, I read it guided view, and it felt – I felt like I, I wasn't getting the whole story, and so I went back and went to uh, full-page view. And what a big difference that made because looking – each one of these pages, uh, most of them or many of them uh, jump from period to period. And the way you discern the period is the color palette of each right. one. Yeah. And that is not nearly as perceptible uh, in guided view because you're just seeing the single panel versus the full page where there is a very stark complementary color uh, contrast. Um, I, I, it was very telling, and it's one of those times where it's like, wow, the, the the artist is really making good use of the full page. And you, on some of those pages, you'd really miss out if you weren't looking at it full page. I could definitely see that. I, I went through the first time and read it in regular view and then would just kind of pop in and out of guided view when uh, I want to try to make out some additional details by blowing yeah. the picture up. I think the artwork's terrific. I think the, the visual st storytelling is on point. Um, I There is part of the story that I just found super frustrating. And the I know that. Yeah. <laughs> no, is that's that not that's not where no, it was right. the harassment of the 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 guy who was taken on the Rorschach yeah. mask. Yeah. Um, by the uh, and, by by the his you know, the the girl that he wanted by her new husband. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there there is a a storyline in which before he becomes Rorschach, we believe, um, that this artist character takes this woman out on the date and she is not interested. You know, nope. uh, so it is, it is. In fact, he asks her on the elevator. He says, I feel like I should ask. Can I kiss you when, I, when we get to the door? And she says, <laughs> nope. she says no. And then like awkward elevator ride <laughs> <laughs> to her door. And the thing that's horrible is that, you know, they, they both live in the same apartment building and she gets married and her husband, her new husband harasses him about that for years. I mean, it is their entire it is really. 
Yeah, I mean, it is just, uh, and it was frustrating to me because it, that's how well the story was told. It, I felt injured on his behalf. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was, it was, uh, I, it was very evocative. I thought that that the story emoted really well. Uh, but no, the you know, <laughs> Andrew brought up the insert comic book story, and you know, as is tradition in Watchmen stories, there is another comic book story being told within the pages of the actual you know Watchmen narrative or the At least worship. Yeah. 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 And so we have a character called the Citizen who looks an awful lot like the question. Well, or Rorschach. Rorschach, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he looks like the question in that there is nothing on his face. Right. right? Yeah. And, but yes, he, he does carry on the the remainder of the uh, Rorschach costume, minus all the food and bloodstains. Um, well, and I love... I love how, you know, from the interview process, you know that this was written right after uh, the comic book artist, William Meyerson, was hassled by the neighbor who's been harassing most. They'd had a confrontation, and he, uh, you know, stormed in and started drawing this comic, which is where the blood on the pages come from because, you know, his nose was bleeding. Right. Well, and the uh, <laughs> the bad guy in the comic – on his helmet, his on his Nazi helmet, yeah, has fourteen B, which <laughs> is the apartment number of the of the offender, right? Yeah, of the uh, of the uh, girl's husband. And yeah, then, you know it's it's pretty highbrow as you're reading through it until you get to those last two panels of, uh-huh. of it, and then you're just like, oh my god. Yeah. Well, oh. and it, what what I love about it is, you know, if you think back to the question. Right, the the comic book, the question. It is also rather highbrow, you know. The you know the, the comic that was out in the '90s um, or the '80s, I believe, um, was was very you know uh, uh, existential yeah. in in some of its commentary, and that's very much you know. I'm, I'll read some dialogue here. Thus, my fist is not a rejection of tranquility, but an embracing of it, as he hits the bad guy. And then the bad guy retorts with, you wrap yourself in ironies and riddles, a world of nonsense to use as justification. You know the truth. Your desire for blood is my desire for blood. You are man to the core, and man must revert to himself. Man is always he. Nice. I mean, so it's a lot of that that dialogue, and then it 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 degenerates into the last you know, yeah, five the, six panels, the, yeah, of just you know uh, the citizen just wailing on the guy, and you're fuck it, you, it, fuck it, you. I was gonna say screaming obscenities at him, but yes, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. It it's is great. just uh, it really gives you or gave me really kind of a, a look into the Meyerson's mind and how it's Absolutely. working and, and where he's at after most of his lifetime of dealing with this in the world and, and what his mental state is. Yeah. Is, I, I got to tell you, I think issue two is a, was a lot more engaging than the yeah. first issue. Yeah. Uh, I'm absolutely all in for this book. I, I'm very much enjoying it. I am definitely picking issue three, but I do I do uh, acknowledge Wayne's issue that it's you know if you want to yeah. wait for it to be collected, I think that's very a valid choice because well, uh, yeah. And I agree with that. I mean, I as someone who was reading comics when Watchmen was coming out in uh, first run publication, um, I think it reads better in trade. It was hard to it was hard to stay engaged with a book that's that layered. Well, and I it, think this this mystery is doing a lot of that same kind of work. One of the things with the original Watchmen was that 
I spent a lot of time talking about it each month, you know, after an issue came out with my friends, <laughs> right. Right? right? And going, well, I don't know, what do you think this is? What do you think that is? And, and we spent all this time kind of trying to dissect it. Uh, but, you know, that first issue of Rorschach, there wasn't even enough there to try to dissect. There was True. just, it was so, um, so, so nebulous. There was just nothing there to kind of talk about except, well, I don't know what's going on. Do you know? No, you don't know either. All right. But this one, like the whole issue with the fingerprints that they set up in the first issue connected to the uh, cartoonist makes no sense. There's mm-hmm. got to be an explanation for it. So I'm very curious to find out. I've got some theories about, about that. But, yeah, so I, the second issue, much, much better than the first issue. Yeah, agree. I'm still not picking my shit up. I don't care what you guys say. <laughs> Come on, Paul. Come on, Paul. I don't care what you say. It's so good. I will wait till trade. Because you know what's going to happen? I know what's going to happen. What? I've read enough Tom King books to know what's going to happen. Gonna Somewhere delayed. around issue four or five, he's going to shit be the like, bed. Ugh. <laughs> I'm struggling through it. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Be like, well, that wasn't worth it. I'm sure Catwoman will show up at some point <laughs> and, and and break the citizen's heart. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Catman's going to show up at some point in this book? Uh, no, we we would not get that lucky. <laughs> I don't know. The if last only time we've seen Catman. <laughs> well, before we hop into the Marvel book this week, um, I wanted to chat with you guys. Well, actually, we didn't ask Andrew. Did you see the latest chapter of The Mandalorian? No, I did not have a chance yesterday to watch it, but I'm a-okay with you guys talking about it. I don't uh, know. Oh, it's a spoilery conversation, Andrew. It, it's okay. It's really, it's all right. My uh, uh, son spoiled second and third episodes because he can watch them before I can, so uh, I'm, I'm used to it. Go ahead. Uh, I'm surprised you don't lock that shit down. I'm surprised you don't lock I, that shit up. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'd be, uh, I'd be, you know, there will be no Mando viewed in this house until I view the Mando. I mean, he's a teenager. He can he can work around anything I can think of. So. <laughs> oh. He's he's smarter than I am. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, I understood that's what you were saying, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. Yeah. He he's like the child. He doesn't listen to you. Fair, fair. It, yes, and he eats all my food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say, I think a favorite moment in the series w- had been the child eating the eggs. You know, eating the frog lady's eggs. Uh-huh. Um, and now my new favorite moment is him using the force to uh, steal the guy's Girl Scout cookies. I, uh, I, I, I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, that is exactly what I would be doing all day, every day if I had force powers. I will be taking your cookies. Thank you very much. But it backfired on him because he puked them up. Little that's not, you know, that's not really a backfire. You get to taste that twice. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so Chapter 12, directed by Carl Weathers, who yeah. knew that he could direct. I got to tell you. I'm not sure that uh, he can. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I got it. I, I felt it, it was a tangible difference from the other episodes in in terms of style, tone, and effectiveness. I thought I thought more lines than normal fell flat, and I've really had no complaints about previous shows, but it just did not feel like it had the energy and the forward momentum in the direction that the, the the prior episodes have had. Yeah, my thing when I was watching it was the previous episodes seemed to be nice, tight episodes uh-huh. where things are going, and this one was kind of all over the place. It seemed like it was lacking the focus. And I, I mean, I did go in a little bit disappointed because I am pumped for him to go meet Ahsoka Tana. And then they, and, they, they moved the cheese. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So immediately I was kind of put off by that. But then 
I really like uh, Cardoon. So I was thinking, okay, yes, this is another side quest, but at least I'm getting another character I like. And they did move the overall plot forward. They were they did a couple of plot reveals to, you know, why is Moth Gideon after the child mm-hmm. and some of that. So at least we got a little plot momentum. So it wasn't completely just a side tangent story. But yeah, like you're saying, Aaron, it just didn't it didn't feel like the other episodes this season. No. It wasn't tight. It wasn't a solid journey. It was kind of all over the place. Yeah, and I don't think it was the script. You know, I I really do think it was direction. It just didn't seem as tight. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I will say the, um, I don't want to call it the car chase sequence, but essentially the car chase sequence I thought was well done, but that's more special effects and, you know. I I do have to say that I love it when we get into the canyons. Yeah. I mean, and it's it it is has really become a Mando trope is that you know we're gonna get in the canyons now and there's gonna be a chase. I I know it's it's overused in this show, but fuck every time they do it, I'm like this is awesome. And I'm somebody who doesn't like car chases, but I will the, say, the, the you you throw those canyons in there and I am down. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that bothered me, they go through all of this trouble to turn off the coolant, so you know, so it'll blow up this base. And then you see stormtroopers back at that exact thing trying to turn it back on. Well, they couldn't because she ejected the coolant. Yeah, he ejected the coolant. There was no more coolant there. If they would have said, like, something right then and there, had them react and shown that they were overwhelmed that they couldn't turn it back on or something. But it's like, why are you even bothering to show us that they're trying to turn it back on when it's not going to – nothing's going to come of it? Well, and one of my problems with with the entire, you know, uh, caper of getting into the base is that it it really struck me like a tired GM was running the game, right? Uh, You know, I'm I'm just too tired to run all these combats, so all the monsters are asleep. (laughs) You get get exactly to where you you need to go, and the place blows up. Um, That's what it felt like to me, because at no point in that entire thing did you feel like they were really threatened even when they're pinned down getting shot at i'm like there are no stakes here yeah you know that's a fair point yeah the only danger came in the canyons yeah yeah well and i feel like you know my my biggest issue with the show and i will i'm just gonna start off by saying i actually enjoyed the episode i enjoyed seeing uh grief karga and cara dune again and yeah, I, I actually loved really characters. loved every scene with the baby which is weird because sometimes i'm like ah they're going too heavy into the baby cuteness every scene with the baby i actually enjoyed you had the the group moment you had the pukey moment you know the baby group with the wires oh. is what i'm referring to yeah no that him trying to to uh re re rewire the spaceship was killing me <laughs> was just that was a great sh- scene there are a lot of great moments in this episode they're just not cohesive they're just not pulled together well and the biggest reveal for me that i missed and then i you know i saw it on social media i'm like shit i need to rewatch it because i think it, it's a it's a fault of the direction and the i mean it's a fault of everything i would say is that uh and andrew you may want to cover your ears because um, this is an actual reveal is the purpose behind their desire to have baby yoda um the child they want the blood they want the blood they want the midi chlorians the midi you know he has the highest midi chlorian count they've seen they want the midi chlorians in his blood to enhance their cloning program so this is either tied to the you know the emperor clones or the snoke you know the creation of snoke um 
you know, and, and so, you know, we, we've, it's kind of like this big reveal that I didn't really catch in first viewing that this kind of all ties into the creation of, you know, of those clone bodies for Snoke and, and why maybe Snoke has the force powers, even though he's not a Sith kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and why he looks so cloning. horrible. Yeah. Because the cloning process is not working. Yeah. It's, so, you know, I, I kind of missed all that <laughs> in the first <laughs> go around. And I'm like, this feels like it's important, but it, I don't know, like maybe, and I, I was sober and I watched it early enough in the evening. <laughs> um, but I just, that piece did not click for me upon first feeling. And it, it sounds like it did for you, Wayne. But oh yeah, it was obvious. It, it didn't, for, <laughs> it was, <laughs> any idiot could have figured that shit out. That's right. I don't know. You'd I have to be a moron to miss that ball. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, Mandalorian is uh, chapter 13 next week, which I believe is directed by Dave Filoni that would kind of indicate that maybe that's when we'll finally see Ahsoka Tano. So you'll get On your cheese next week. Thanksgiving day. Well, day after Thanksgiving. Or are they going to release it early? That would be oh, nice. I don't know. I just assume, does it come out on Fridays, not Thursdays? Fridays. Okay. I always watch it on Friday. So I, yeah. I, Thursday's I discovery. Gotcha. So, you know, while, while looking up Mandalorian, um, well, I should, you know, I came across Marvel 616 and I saw a dance slot on social media was referring to it. This Marvel 616 the other day. Um, it's, it's a show on Disney plus there's eight episodes. I'm assuming only eight episodes thus, um, in the season. And it's kind of like, I don't know how long it's been going or if it was all released at once, but it's kind of like different hour long documentaries about aspects of Marvel. They've gotten a documentary about Japanese Spider-Man. They've got one about the forgotten characters of Marvel comics. They've got one about toys, primarily Funko stuff, but episode seven is an episode about friend of funny books, Dan Slott. Almost, in, I mean, you know, they, they also go into some interesting aspects, which we're going to talk about here, about Christos Gage and Pete Woods and Tom Brevert. But, uh, damn, like, it was really, it was dance, it was the Dan Slott show. It was the Dan Slott show, which, you know, Dan Slott, kind of an acquired taste. Very uh, much so. I, I mean, it, he yeah. he is... At least in in the uh, the documentary, I mean, he's just he's he's kind of a character, right? I mean, he doesn't he does not seem like a uh, <laughs> he doesn't seem like a real person. He seems like a comic book character. Yeah, I won't go too much into what I thought of him on it, but I <laughs> lost a lot of respect for him watching it because he did come off not as a person but as a character, and he came off as incredibly unprofessional. When they go through the creation of this book, he is basically he can't meet a deadline. He's dropping the stuff on the other creators with no time for them to work. Yeah, he's working I, I, on the book up to 15 minutes before they actually release the book. I got to say, I think I think it's great that number one, I was completely unaware of the 616 documentary series. And so thank you, Dan Slott, for letting me know about the, this series. And I'll talk about the other episode that I watched as well. But uh, I think it's a great idea to present the Marvel method, right? I agree. Uh, I, I, I think it's a great idea. And one of the I think they do a real disservice in this episode because Dan Slott talks like nobody does it anymore. And that's just not true. I mean, he may be the only one doing it right now, but... Bendis was doing it before he left. 
You know, mm-hmm. he, he was both full script and Marvel method, depending on the artist he was working with. And so for Dan Slott to paint this picture like, oh, nobody does this anymore. If nobody's doing it anymore, they stopped doing it last week. I mean, yeah. so, so number one, that sort of annoyed me. And, you know, the conversation continues to be Marvel method in the business. Uh, you know, the, the, it is used from time to time. Sometimes it's used because a, 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 a writer has just got too much on his plate and, you know, he's working with an artist he trusts. Other times, like Bendis did it was because I'm working with an artist who is a great visual storyteller. I'm going to give him uh, bullet points, and I'm going to let that mother go. Um, and that's really where it works best. I mean, you know, Stan and Jack were able to do it because Jack was a monster, right? Um, it wasn't that, you know, let's let's be clear. Stan had his, his set of talents and abilities, but the success of Marvel Comics is built on guys like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, who are freaking visionaries, right? And none of Marvel would have happened had you not had the the stable of artists who were able to work that way. Yeah, um, I'd, I've heard the story before, but I love that they threw in the story about the creation of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. That it's just something that was drawn on the page, and Stan took one look, and he's like, why is there a guy on a surfboard in the background here? Yeah, what the hell? Uh but it, it, Wayne's right. It this did not show Dan Slott in a good light. No, it if did. I were Dan Slott, I would not be happy about this because um, it showed that he can't meet a deadline. It showed that he is incapable of finishing his own book. He's got to bring Christus Gage in to, yeah. to finish his book for him. And Robert the whole time, I, said that he would be fired if it wasn't for the fact he was so talented. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I'm I'm watching. Christus Gage, you know, talk about how he's, you know, doing the dialogue and punching it up and whatnot for 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 this book. And the whole time I'm thinking I would be curious if Dan Slott came back and gave me notes on stuff that I did that he couldn't do, because it is one thing to be edited by somebody who can do what you do It's a whole nother thing that the guy who is is so riddled with the inability to meet a deadline is then going to give you notes on the work you've done on time. Well, someone I, has I, to edit it because they're not getting it to the editors in time to edit it. Well, it's, it's just crazy to me. It's I mean, and this is why books are late, right? Is yeah. that yeah, these guys – yeah, I got to tell you, I, I think Dan Slott's late on books because Dan Slott is allowed to be late on books. That's exactly what I got out of it is yeah. because of his talent, they let him do whatever he wants. He needs an editor that is stronger, an editor that will crack the whip on him and make him actually work. Yeah. I mean, it, it felt like the whole thing was a hatchet piece on Dan Slott. It really did. I mean, I, 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 I walked out of that going, wow, Dan, Slott, Dan Slott's a mess. I wouldn't want that yeah. guy working for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed though. seeing the process. Yeah. And, and I, I would have preferred a more historic look. And, you know, I, and I understand what they did. They wanted to take a book from beginning to end. Right. But I sure would have liked to. I think they could have gone another hour talking about other books and talk to other writers who've done it. You know, and I know they don't want to interview Bendis because he works for the other guy now. But, uh, you know, their Marvel method has been used for decades ever since Stan and Jack did it. So I'll tell you what it really made me do. It made me want to buy that book because uh, they start talking about the cat that's a professor. The Iron Man 2020 book that, yeah. that Dan Slott was writing. Yeah, and you what know, I ended and up I, finding out was that Marvel has their reward program. Uh, basically, you get points for things and all. And 
for fairly cheap, you can cash in the points to get issue one for free. So I have the digital version of issue one now to read because I watched that. And then I went out to Marvel's reward program because you can get uh, rewards for watching Marvel 616 as well. Huh. Huh. I'll have to take a look into that. I didn't even know the reward program existed before last Same. night. Same. I will say, you know, and just because I, I know we're going a little long, um, I, I, I had two takeaways from Marvel 616 outside of what you guys mentioned. One is, yeah, I did, I did have an interest in checking out Iron Man 2020. The first issue was only two bucks. Apparently it could have been free 99, <laughs> but you know, I went ahead and got it. I haven't read it yet, but I haven't, you know, the story that he described um, just sounded interesting to me. Um, but the main takeaway for me was Pete Woods. Um, yeah. Because that dude has been around for quite a while, uh, you know, in, in the industry. You know, I remember Pete Woods working on, um, if it's the same Pete Woods I'm thinking of, he worked on some type of Amazon crossover, Amazon's Attack maybe, um, mm -hmm. for DC way, you know, way back when, uh, in two, 2007. Yeah. Um, you know, so I remember his work, he, he, you know, he, he was really key in that um, House of Krypton or New Krypton story in, in Superman. Yeah. So I remember his work from, you know, way back when. And But now, like, he has evolved with the times, Mr. Woods. <laughs> he, he lives in an Airstream wherever the hell he wants, and he draws comics entirely on his iPad, iPad. Pro. Yeah. yeah, and I, the whole time I'm watching him, I'm just amazed at his uh, skill with the tools, and I'm like, God, I, I need him to teach me a class. <laughs> yeah, it was really impressive watching him. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I had this. You know, I watched uh, Joe Casada draw on his Cintiq before, and I'm just like, God, I gotta get me a Cintiq. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I I need the I need the schooling, and uh, I, I'm just fascinated by what he was doing just on his iPad Pro, the same tool that I've got. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, I'm going to have to go and see if there's some YouTube tutorials because uh, I, I really need to understand how to use those tools. And so do you have the Apple Pen? I do. Yeah, my, I wife, got... my wife does a lot of digital artwork on her iPad using the, you know, the, the Apple Pen. Mm -hmm. You have the massive iPad Pro, don't you? I have the 10 I and do. a half inch. I got the 12.9. Yeah, that's what he had. And he's yeah. drawing... Iron Man 2020. Well, yeah. Drew and Iron looked, Man 2020. And it looked pretty damn sharp. Yeah. yeah so the other he's, he's, doing, he's doing the pencils, he's doing the inks, he's doing the colors. Yeah. The other takeaway the I guy... took from it was uh, I've always liked Christos Gage, but mm -hmm. I have even more respect for him because in a show that came off as kind of a hatchet job of Dan Slott, Christos Gage managed to come in, not only save the day, but when he when they actually talked to him about it, he found ways to not once throw Dan Slott under the bus. Yeah. And he found ways to say, you know, well, they bring me in because we work really well together. You know, they bring me in when he's have when he needs to hit a deadline. You know, I'm the deadline guy. And he talks a lot about it building up Slot versus the rest of the show tore him down. Yeah. You know, I did I did find myself wondering how the salaries work out on that because you know typically when you write when you've got co-writers you're not getting paid each person's not taking home a hundred percent salary they're splitting what would be typically what would typically be paid and so I'm, I'm really curious as to how that works and i'm sure that with with a with a star talent like dan slot that you know he's not taking a cut so you know I, I'm curious as to how that how the salary structure works out when you got to bring in Chris Christus Gage to finish the book. Save your bacon. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Well, yeah, well, but you know, you know 
I, I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, it definitely I, – I watched that before I read this week's Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so you guys impressed upon me how well done Fantastic Four issue 25 was. So I picked that up, and I hadn't read it yet. So I picked up 25 and 26 and read them both right after that Iron Man document you – know, or excuse me, the, you know, the, the Marvel 616 – and so Fantastic Four, the current writer, is Dan Slott. And there's no co-writer on this book, so, you know, um, I, I guess he's ahead enough. It's probably because one of the things that helps with this book is that it's monthly, not bi-weekly. Right. But, uh, you know, I, it, it was – hearing that, it was very interesting. And um, I will say this book, and we're going to probably talk about some of it uh, here, was rather controversial this week. Was it? Uh, yeah, and so – do we, do we want to go into this book already? Yeah, Let's do yeah. it. All right. I'm um, curious what was controversial. Yeah, me too. The Franklin stuff was very controversial yeah. ah. um, because, and it was controversial as it relates to um, LGBTQ, right? And, and, you know, because mutant kind and, and all that is seen as, you know, this acceptance of something else, of being something other than what everyone tells you you are, but who you feel you are. And this book very, you know, what this book basically turned into is you always thought you were a mutant, but you were just faking it the whole time. You're really just a human, <laughs> right? And that, you know, that because of the the connection that the, you know, the the trans audience had with the Franklin character and the portrayal and, and understanding of being stuck in two worlds, not knowing who you are, it caused quite a bit of controversy on social media this week. Um, well, you know, social media controversy. It's not like you're going to read about it in your comments. <laughs> but it all is in character. I mean, the X-Men are dicks. They've been especially bitch lately. And the idea that suddenly he's not one of them and they are, you know, they're exclusionary because of it completely goes along with how the X-Men are acting because the X-Men are dicks. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think you you certainly can read this, you know, a couple of different ways. And and the way I, I typically read books my first reading is I just accept what's on the page, right? You know, I, I just, it's, mm-hmm. these are characters, these are things are happening to these characters. I don't read the metaphor into it usually until a second reading or to, until after I've, you know, sort of, you know, noodled on it for a while. But, you know, if you're, if you're reading it in terms of metaphor that, you know, Franklin being a mutant was language for otherness, you know, that he was, you know, outside the norm, um, the fact that what I find very interesting reading it in those terms, and I think this is what this is what Slot was actually going for, was how the the community that he was an other of, you know, he was a member of his otherness made him a member of that community, the mutants or LGBTQ or what have you, rejects him. You're not one of us. We thought you were, but you're not one of us. You're out. There is no place for you in our community because you're not us. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not certain that Dan Slott was making an indictment of LGBTQ community, but I think he is making an indictment of communities in general who have very prescribed requirements to be members of those communities. And I think that's what he's saying. And, you know, so when, when Xavier says, you can't, you're not welcome here anymore. You're not one of us. You have to go be one of them. I, that's hard. Um, 
And so, you know, I, I was I, we just came out of a conversation where I was very critical of Dan Slott. But I think this is exceptionally written. I think this is very honest about the way we align ourselves into parties. We align ourselves into, you know, distinct communities. And, you know, really, one of the, in terms of a storytelling device, I've always been a little frustrated by the X-Men because I don't understand why uh, Cyclops is a disgusting mutant, but Spider-Man's okay. Or that uh, Wolverine's a disgusting mutant, uh, <laughs> a disgusting mutant, but Captain America's okay. I don't understand, you know, the differences between these these uh, superheroes and the reason, you know, that these stories are told the way they are is that they are metaphors, and I I I thought this was really well done. I I I very much enjoyed both the first level of the, of the way I read the story where I was just reading it. These are characters in a story. Uh, and then the the second viewing of the the metaphors that are being shared here and the 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 things that are being pointed out about our communities, um, I thought they were, they were really valid. Well, yeah, I and I will admit, my big thing in the book that I really enjoyed was all the relationship stuff. Absolutely, because this is a family book, and I don't mean it's a book for families to read. It's a book about family, and part of yeah. that comes with dysfunctions and all. Yeah, <laughs> Valeria goes and discovers that the uh, the guy she was so hung up on has a whole harem of women because that's his culture and that and he's the king and she gets her heart broken and then you see those moments between her and her brother where they they have a conversation and you think for a moment franklin's going to you know comfort her and be there for her but no he finds out something that can say help him and so he's off you see finally johnny and sky have that moment of all of his exes and she learns about all of his exes particularly you know having Elijah show up you know someone he actually married i loved all of that drama and i love the kids reaction and how they're trying to protect you know alicia because this is somebody that kidnapped and replaced alicia years ago it's really that's the type of stuff that i'm loving in this book all of those callbacks to the old stories, all of this family drama going on, these characters, Slot is really nailing that for me and hitting what I want out of a Fantastic Four book. And that's before you even get into any of the sci-fi elements. Yeah, we're 25 issues into this run on Fantastic Four, and that's 25 issues of Dan Slot's Fantastic Four. And I got to say, uh, again, after having been very critical of Dan Slot in the prior conversation... Um, I think Dan Slott's emerging as one of the great Fantastic Four writers. Um, I think he, he's really got a, you know, the, the, the trick is having a sense for the family, a sense for the science fiction, a sense for the wonder. Uh, I think those are the, the those are three key traits uh, of a fan, of a successful Fantastic Four book, and I think he's really successful here. I I, I am. Uh, as happy with this as I was with Jonathan Hickman's run on the book, as happy as I was with John Byrne's uh, run on the book. I think that he is he is really going to be up there in that, that pantheon of strong Fantastic Four writers. And where I thought his work on Iron Man uh, was substandard, uh, his work here is, is ever bit as enjoyable for me as his work on Spider-Man. Yeah, and Aaron, I don't know if you know this, but the bringing back the Powers Father and bringing the Powers children that were off in space back, mm -hmm. that's setting up for a Power Pack book coming up. I don't know if I it's going to be a one-shot or a series, 
but it's the them finally reunited because they've been having their own adventures, both uh, you know the oldest two in different books, and seeing the new world that the champions have out there of teen heroes are illegal. Yeah. So you know, I, I picked this up, this book up, based on your recommendation. Uh, you know, the last two issues, and I got to say, I've enjoyed them very much. So I find the art beautiful. Yeah. Um, R.B. Silva is knocking it out of the park. And this is the type of Fantastic Four book that I, I enjoy reading. Now, that being said, this is my third time trying this series. <laughs> and neither of the first two times really landed with me, including the the Herald of Doom storyline. And, you know, the I think I picked up like the first five issues. And then actually, I think the first uh, it looks like I hopped out during the Herald of Doom storyline, actually. Mm -hmm. Um and so it, it it just wasn't connecting with me, but I, I am enjoying this concept. I'm enjoying um, the family moments. I really enjoyed issue 25 and 26, and so I'm 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 on board up for until it pisses me off again. <laughs> until can I gets, just until say it gets involved in another crossover, probably in a month or two with King and Black. Can I just say that the preview cover for next issue oh, with so the thing in a Hanukkah <gasps> sweater is amazing i was about Beautiful. to mention that too i love that <laughs> i mean there were a lot of good fun funny mark i mean uh, there's obviously kind of the deeper issues about you know if you could go anywhere where would you go and and the disappointment that everyone encountered with that but the part where reed's standing in front of him at the beginning and uh you know he's like it's a bad thing we're gonna guard it but then goes on to talk about how amazing it is and it gets into his mad science voice mad scientist uh -huh. voice yeah i i went mad scientist again didn't i even yeah, I, I could tell at the end. Though. Yeah, I could kind of hear it at the end. But no, it was a uh, it was a really good issue. Uh, and the uh, uh, Ben and uh, uh, the, uh, the their their Cree and Scroll child uh, ambushing neighbors, you know, turn out to be the uh, Powers parents uh, in, uh, that are showing up. And, you know, he's a uh, the little uh, Cree, Cree child's got his uh, laser rifle, and then you find out it's just the, what they use to power wash the windows. <laughs> Cracks me up. Yeah. It's a great book. I mean, I I, I, I legit have no complaints. And, it's, and it's always awkward when your when your ex when your ex wife shows up. You know, when your scroll ex wife shows up. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, during a pandemic, we're all stuck at home. Or at least for large portions of us, we're stuck at home. We can't do the things we want to do. And then, uh, you know, Diane Slot's writing a storyline that features a a you know a scientific portal that can transport you anywhere. Uh, from their home or where it used to be their home, right? Or the back yeah. to the building to anywhere you'd want to go. Yeah. It's good stuff. It is. I'm, 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 I'm hard in for, uh, for this series. I'm definitely on board again. Yep. So Aaron, sir, are you going to, Oh, sorry. Sorry, Paul. Hold on. Just one second. <laughs> <clears throat> hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> So we have new issues of Doctor Doom and Action Comics and a number of you know new title uh, new issues coming out uh, of existing titles. But the big new release uh, next week, being a holiday week, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, is the other history of the DC Universe from Academy Award-winning screenwriter John Ridley, art by Alex Dos Diaz um, in the first issue, and uh, funny enough. This first issue follows the story of Jefferson Pierce, the man who will one day become Black Lightning. Um, and have a canceled TV show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, future issues will focus on characters uh, such as Karen and Mal Duncan, Tatsu Yamashiro, uh, Shiro, and Renee Montoya. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. Me too. 
yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this book. And, you know, it's been a long time coming, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely picking it up. Excellent. Anything else coming out next week, Paul? No. Other, other than my turkey. <laughs> is that a euphemism? Um, <laughs> my, my turkey is coming out. <laughs> no, those are pretty much the, you know, the, the main titles that I would anticipate would be something we'd be talking about. Excellent. Well, hey, we want to know what you think. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise, which might include my dachshund, who has been barking through most of today's <laughs> It might include Aaron's turkey. Um... <laughs> oh, yeah, my turkey. It's coming out. Uh, you can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right, guys. Well, hey, again, I'm thankful for most of you. Uh, <laughs> Just to rub it back in. <laughs> you guys have a good one. Take care. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>